Now, every, every summer when I drive over here, because I drive over here at about 8 o'clock, and every day, every Sunday, when I come over here, I see these cars driving past, you know, these old men's toys, these beautiful cars, restored cars, shining cars, like, you know, and I always kind of, I'm half jealous and half kind of, you should be saying thank you to the one who made the Don thing. Um, restoration is not about being restored to our original. Restoration is about being restored to what God intended. And for most of us, if not all of us, what God intended is not what we've ever comprehended because whatever you think you are able to do will be very much shorter, lower than what God has for you. If you could hear God's voice over you right now, over your life, over what he had in mind, I mean, when he held you in the palm of his hand and he said, I'm going to make you. And he saw all the things that he put inside you. said, it's going to be so cool because when they grow up, they're going to, when they're about 15 or 16, they're going to start being aware of some things. And when they're 25, they might be. And you're created, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And the thing is that you're created to come alive with the Spirit of God. You know, if you, if you, get, if you have your visa card and you, you get your visa card, you have to activate it. You've got to phone up and get it activated. There's lots in us that only God can activate. There's lots in us that uh, we can try and make work, but they don't really come alive until God's Spirit breathes life into us. And I would pretty much guesstimate that most of us, this is not a, including myself, are operating at a very low wattage when it comes to what God has for us. Our, our um, challenge is to not be settling for less than what is possible. And what happens in life is that we can have the life beaten out of us very early on. And so we end up very early on just actually beginning to exist and survive. And one of the reasons we come together to hear God and to come together to begin to uh, say, Lord, what are you doing and who are you, is to, to, to find out. I mean, how many of you think that you're operating to your greatest potential right now? You'd probably be too scared to put your hand up if you were, because I'm going to say to you, really? How many of you think you're operating to your greatest potential? So what would it be like to go, God, how do you see me? The challenge is that I think many of us, if not all of us, have this battle inside. If I give myself to God, he's going to wreck my life. If I actually get passionate about God, he's going to actually make my life difficult. We save from a place of not great life half the time. That if I allow God to impact my whole life, it's going to mean things that I'm not going to enjoy. And God the Father who loves you more than you love your children says, wow, that's so sad. Because what I have for you is good. What I have for you will actually make you come alive. What I have for you will set you free. And so one of the problems with God is that unless we understand that he is a loving Father revealed in Jesus, we're never going to risk. And yet... In the rest of our lives, we do it all the time. Imagine you're a house and the plumbing doesn't work. 
the water stops running. How many of you would just kind of go, ah, too bad. Guess we'll be carrying water for a while. Most of us would be on the phone very quickly looking for a plumber and saying, I want that water flowing again. Or the electricity doesn't work. Most of us would get an electrician or somebody who knows how to fix the electrical circuits and get it on because my house flows better, it's more comfortable for me if the water is running and the electricity is flowing. And what if God were to say, if you saw yourself as a house, then when things aren't working right, instead of, I don't come and kick the house down, I say, why don't we just fix this? And our lives are about becoming the house, the dwelling place that God has for us to be. How many of you watch uh, you know, all those mo- all those live shows on houses, you know, property houses and uh, renovations and all those things. Quite a few of us do, I would think. And you, you kind of see, and then there's one about my husband tried to fix it and he never finished, so come in and rescue me, please. You watch that one too? Yeah. You see, all these people, you didn't ever watch TV here. You, you watch these things, why do you watch them? Because it's quite interesting to see the transformation. It's quite interesting to see how somebody takes something that looks a mess and begins to make it something that actually looks beautiful. So why on earth would you enjoy watching those movies and those testimonies of other people's experience and not allow God to come in and renovate? If you who are evil know how to renovate those little bits of pieces of wood and brick, how much more? Why do you think that the Christian church and the Christians aren't making a huge impact in the world right now? Or we have lost our initiative in the Western world? Why do you think it is? I'm not going, I'm not feeling terribly negative this morning, I'm just asking a question. Why do you think people aren't flooding the church? I mean, you can have any kind of concert you like and people will turn up for it. But why do you think people are struggling with church? Scared? Pardon? We look no better. We look no different to them. Not fashionable. It's boring. No need to get personal. I knew somebody, and it's not good to ask questions like this. A lot of aggro comes out. But, you know, if you need to say it, say it. Feel free. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry? Lost our passion? Don't want to be told what to do, yeah? Don't tell me what to do, that's right. Nobody struggles with that around here, right? Who do you think you are? Drag yourself out of bed in the morning. Can you believe? Yeah, you have to drag yourself out of bed. It's 10 o'clock. Somebody came into my office. They are here, but I'm not going to embarrass them. They told me that somebody doesn't come here because they think I'm arrogant. Can you believe it? Uh, where does the, where, what's that about? The trouble is you're all laughing because you agree with them. This is shoot. What do I do about that? Help me. <laughs> Funny thing is, if you believe in something and you say it, you can be passionate or you can be arrogant. If you don't believe in anything, you're compassionate. 
You know, the bottom line is I'm a visual aid to encourage you. I'm not perfect and I've got all kinds of issues. All right? So there's lots of room for you on the podium. Because ultimately, what we're meant to be doing is saying, but God. And I don't want you to feel discouraged this morning. I actually want you to feel hungry and thirsty. I don't want you to feel condemned because you're not... I mean, I could give this sermon maybe 25 years ago. It would have been this way, you know. But this, this should, should. But, you know, God has a way of dealing with us. Um, Because that's not going to work. What's going to work is what would it be like for you to have an impact on the world around you that brings life to that world? What would it be like if, if your presence caused people to go, there must be a God. That's really what I want to think. Because there are people, you know, that guy on the treadmill lit up somebody's life just by the way he kind of grooved on a rolling mat where everybody else does, does this. What would it be like if you could have the creativity or the presence to to? To just do something that is different and you don't even do it because you're showing off. You do it because you're being you. And you do it because something is inside you. Or those, those German students who go, in, you know, go, go up to this homeless man and can I borrow your bucket? We're going to help you collect some money. And we're just going to very inobtrusively in a sense get alongside you, play a song and you can have the money. Now yes, they're not, doing, they're not saving the man. But they're making an impact. And the fact that they even thought about it to do that says something. And I bet you they got just as blessed doing it as that man got. What was that all about? But somebody noticed him and somebody actually blessed him. What would it be like if our minds and our hearts were open to the world around us? Our minds and our hearts were actually looking out for ways to help somebody else rather than what is so often the mindset of it's me, 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 me. All my prayers are about me. All my issues are about me. All my things are about help me, Lord, help me. That is an awfully small world. The thing is that to follow Jesus and to have the life that changes people's lives and gets them to come, and, and it's the fountain out there, which is our memorial for God's being so good to us for the first five years. Um, somebody keeps, I think it might be Reg, but I, I just keeps putting stones on it to keep it really smooth. But part of the point of this thing is to make it, uh, the bubbling sound is nice. So we, we keep it low but have the bubbling sound. The bubbling sound is important. That is also, that thing has to be fed with water, but it has to be on all the time because that's the prophetic nature of that fountain. Now water, I get out of the tap and I put it in there. Water doesn't have... Imagine we just put it in there and we said, this is a lovely fountain. And you go, well, there's no fountain. The water's in the bottom. What makes it a fountain is a pump in the water that actually energizes that water and pushes it up. And then it becomes a testimony of something else. Because when I first saw that at Buckerfields in Parksville, it was, it was sitting at the door and water was flowing. And I just absolutely, as I saw it, I said, it's the Holy Spirit. Just the welling up, flowing out. And it was three months later because of the, ah, we can't afford it. 
when David came here, that it just seemed to connect, and so we got the last one, and that's it. It's a testimony to God's presence and power. The water doesn't have its, the ability to be a fountain. It has the ability to contain a pump that transforms it into something it couldn't be on its own. That's exactly the same as Jesus living in us. Can you tell the difference between a fountain that is flowing and a fountain that isn't? Very difficult question. Can you tell the difference? Can you tell the difference between, uh, as the summer goes on, trees that are fruit-bearing and those that are not fruit-bearing? This is not difficult. Can you tell the difference between a vine that is bearing grapes and a vine that isn't bearing grapes? (laughs) You see, I think we make life very complicated. God is not complicated. He's very, very simple. He says, I am a gardener and I tend my garden. If there are branches that do not bear fruit, I I cut them off and burn them and I, and I, I tend to the ones that bear fruit. So people that impact the world are fruit-bearing. Because a vine and the branches do not hold fruit for themselves. They don't self-eat, you know, self-absorb. The fruit they have is for others to eat. Last fall, two bears came into our garden and ate all the fruit in one night. They smelt it. They climbed over the fence. It was meant to keep them out. Fragrance of the fruit got their attention. What's in you? What's your fragrance? What's your fruit-bearing capacity? How's the plumbing in the house? How's the electricity in the house? See, what I want to suggest to you is instead of beating yourself up and go, shoot, there's no fruit here, you begin to go, Lord, I can't see any fruit right now that I'd like to. Will you come and tend the garden of my life? Lord, I, don't, I feel like water that's sitting at the bottom of that fountain. I'd love to have a bubble. I'd love to have a wellspring that flows up in me, that flows out into others. But I don't seem to have that right now. I'd like you to help me to make me come alive. You see, the, the, the issue of life is really God just saying, if you'll let me, I will, but you need to ask me because I respect you. And so that's why Jesus, this is a long preamble to Matthew, where he says, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Some of us feel like that. We feel like we've been thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He doesn't say uh, you might be salt, you might be light. He says you are. He doesn't say some of you. He says you are light, you are salt, you are. Because that's how I've made you. So if you're, if you're not being salty and your light isn't being seen, it's not because I'm not making you that way, it's because something's got covered, something's got tasteless, and you might need restoration. 
There's nothing as sad or worthless as somebody who's meant to be a light looking for meaning in other places. Somebody who's meant to be salty, trying to justify how lack of salt is actually part of life. Jesus said, you know, love one another as I have loved you. If you want the pump to activate the water that is your spirit and your life, it's real, really simple. There's nothing for you to do, really. The secret for your life to become one that is light and is salty is just let Jesus close to you and be close to him. And that sounds like, oh, very sweet, but it's true. You see, as Jesus comes close to you, the thing that he first says is, I I, I like you and I love you and I delight in you. And if I asked everybody one by one to come up here and talk about the love of God for them, I would think maybe some could, but I think a lot of us would be a little awkward. I know I used to be very awkward. Because it doesn't really feel true. But Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you will love others. So whatever's been poured into you is what will pour out. Whatever you've received is the measure to which you will give. I mean, the reason that I can share with you now about the love of God and the grace of God is because of the testimony of my life, of my rebellion, my anger, my frustration. You've heard it a thousand times, but, I'm, it's, but wrestling with it until something breaks and you get restored. And so the things that get in the way are the clues as to how to move forward, which is instead of defending them, starting to just say, Show me how to get rid of this. Show me how to work with this. Does that make sense to you? Instead of trying to defend ourselves, we just actually start working with what we have and allow him to work in us and through us. And you go, well, how do you do that? And I said, well, just live life. And I've got a passage for you to read so that you could actually check it off. Because life is where God works. And people are through, the people he works through. Go to Romans 12. There is a long list of what it looks like to be salty and light-bearing. I'm not going to go through this in in great depth. I just want to alert you to it if you'd like to look at it sometime. Because I think the reason why people are not impacted by those who call themselves Christians is because Christians without power, what do they do? Christians without power tend to argue, they tend to judge, They tend to point fingers. They tend to be self-righteous. All defensive postures. They tend to blame the world for not being in the church. The world is so bad. Jesus actually says, let good overcome evil. That's actually, Paul says that at the end of Romans. And I want to suggest to you, for us to have impactful lives, all we need to do is be nice people with power. So, Paul says in in chapter 12, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Which is about start to think differently. I love Graham Cook's statement that says, If you don't like the last thought you had, have another one. If you don't like the way you think, well, think something else then. We are not victims. That's one of the basic tenets of Christianity. You're no longer a victim. You're set free. You're no longer a slave. That means you can actually rise up. That means it doesn't have to stay the same. The issue comes that your will still is in play. 
So you still have a choice of what to do. And then he says this, For by the grace given me, I said to, say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. There's a clue. Don't think of yourself in isolation. It's not just me independent. If you do, you will die. Think of yourself in the context of family. Think of yourself in the context of a community. Be part of that community. If you just come to church on Sunday, you will not have community. Jericho Road's mandate is not to meet on Sunday morning. Jericho Road's mandate is to be a community every day of the week. Jericho Road's mandate is to love each other when most of us are unbearable. Jericho Road's mandate is to care about one another. Jericho Road's mandate is to say we're for each other even on those bad days. Because the way that God is going to work in our lives, the way God is going to transform us is through the relationships that are formed as we travel on this journey called life. And I'm not going to go through this whole thing. I'll just read out to you a list that I made from Romans 12. You can read it on your own. But what would it look like? How do you impact the world? He says, be sincere, uh, sincerely love, hate evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another and honor one another. Honor, honor one another means I'm going to think the best of you even when what you're doing is wrong or I think it's wrong. I'm going to take the trouble to find out in order that I could understand what has been happening. Honoring is giving each other the benefit of the doubt. Honoring is not saying everything's okay, but it's at least finding out. I wish more people would come into my office and say, John, I think you're arrogant. And I'd say, nice to meet you. Because behind all of our exteriors are stories and imperfections that God is working on. And the way that he begins to transform us is as we begin to talk about it, as we begin to share about it, as we begin to own our stuff. I have no vested interest in trying to be arrogant. It's a gift. But I have no vested interest in staying miserably arrogant or offending somebody with arrogance. Why would I? I want God to refine that. I don't know what it looks like refined. What does it look like refined? But we can help me. Thank you. So there's there's an element of what am I going to do? Am I going to run away and hide because sometimes that's what comes out? Or another one that... Cheryl loves to tell me about his sarcasm. I don't understand that one either. I just think it's humor. I'm just sharing you my sort of issues. Do I, do I therefore say I, I can't ever stand up here again because I'm going to let it slip and then it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket? You'd like that maybe, but... No, it's basically... No, I'm a work in progress. But No, it's not always... Bob, if you want to come up, we'll talk about that. (laughs) I'll take you on. (laughs) You see, what you see isn't what you get. What you see is some of what you get. Sometimes it's my defensiveness or sometimes it's my insecurity. Sometimes your silence is that. Sometimes your silence is arrogant. 
It's, we, we could have lots of things. All I'm saying is, it's in the journey that the transformation takes place. Because you know what? If you were here 20 years ago, some of you can bear witness to that. I think I was worse. What did you say? Not much? Now that's projection. That's something else. Roger. You think you're safe if you shout out in the crowd. And but, you know, because we can get to that place where it's possible to put each of us under scrutiny and we'd never do anything for the fear of what we don't do right overpowering. But at the end of the day, we want to be a community where you go, no, I want to try. I started playing the piano. And so when we started this morning, I said to Randy, look, I'll just try, but I might not do much. We'll see. And I was quite comfortable and say, hey, John, your rhythm is terrible. Don't do it. So it's just starting somewhere. And so there's an element of I'm, you know, put yourself out there in different things. And let God begin to work in you and release things in you and, and, and build you. We need one another. The people I see grow, the people I see making a difference are the ones who are in community. The ones who are on their own, they stay stuck forever. The ones who stay isolated very seldom grow. I'll tell you one way to recognize isolation. It's usually negativity and it's a big mouth. They have opinions about everything, but they never risk enough to get in the spotlight themselves. So I don't really pay much attention. If you know me, you'll say, if you ever come and tell me they said and they think, I just ignore you. I'm not interested. I couldn't care less. Because they anonymously are cowards. I have no respect for them. I have a lot of respect and time for anybody who's willing to say, how does this work? I'm struggling with this. No problem with that. I love that, actually. Really respect that. Because I know that as we, you see, as we work together, God begins to refine us. And then out of that refining, there comes life. Keep yourself spiritually alive. Be full of joyful hope. Be patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. Share with those in need. Be generous. Rejoice with others. Mourn with others. Live in harmony. Associate with anyone and everyone. Do not repay evil with evil. Overcome evil with good. Check out that list in Romans. You see, when Jesus came to this world and he said, apart from me, I, you can do nothing, he meant it. We cannot live the life the, of the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the power of Jesus without his spirit. It's as simple as that. And what I'm trying to say to you this morning, very gently, is that it's really obvious when the well is being pumped by the spirit of Jesus and when it's not. It's, it's, it's obvious by the fruit of your life. It's obvious by the attitude and it's obvious by the way you turn up. It's obvious by the way you speak. It's obvious by the way things flow out of you. It's really, really obvious. The more you defend, the more you have opinions, the more you know, uh-oh, pump's broken. And instead of us coming under condemnation, it's far better to say, hey, I want that pump to, you know, if that pump breaks, I'll go and get another one. And so I just pray this morning that God will raise up in us a desire for more because I want my life to count. I want my life to mean something. And I want my life to be used even while it's kind of in a mess, you know. 
It's not about waiting for perfection. It's about saying, here I am, use me now. You know, I say to people when you're praying for healing, I said, all God needs is a pair of grubby hands. I mean, if you're really thirsty, I could bring you a rusty bucket or a beautiful china glass. You wouldn't care. All you want is the water inside. One of the things we, I'm finishing, but let's finish with a bang, which is, you know, ask Jesus to heal. You know, one of the things you sometimes say jokingly in churches is, well, God doesn't have to turn up in church because he's never needed. So we have a sort of um, a deal, I guess, I have with God, which is I want you to be needed at every service we are. That's why we talk about healing. That's why we declare healing, because I can't heal anybody. I can't even heal myself, as you can see. But I also know that he can use any old rust bucket, which is me. So if you need healing... And, you know, I'm, I'm meaning uh, in, in body, you've got pain. And I said to the Lord this morning, let's go after backs today. And I used to think that was so arrogant. I mean, arrogant, darn it, didn't mean to say that word. I, who, who, how can you just stand up and say God's going to heal backs today? How many of you think that's presumptuous? But if I read in the scriptures and it says Jesus commanded us to go and heal the sick, he didn't say when you feel like it, he didn't say... Um, Pray for the sick. He said, heal them. And then in my journey with the Lord, he says, I'm into a relationship with you. The reality is sometimes he says, I'll just lead you and you follow me. And other times I'll let you go. You, you run it. You, you go and, and do, see, see what you want to do on my behalf and then I'll back you up. You see, he likes me. And he loves me. And he's incredibly proud of me standing here this morning. Because he knows where I was. And he goes, whoa, look at John. And he, and he goes, you know where he was and what he did and the things he said to me? And now look, he's boasting about me. How cool is that? And I'm just using him as a little visual aid to encourage all the other people who just like him. Arrogant, opinionated and stubborn. And nice. And kind. And gentle. And loving. Joyful. There is absolutely zero power in me. But if I declare healing on this place, God will heal. Just because he likes me. Like if my, na- if my name was Bill Gates and I said, I have a checkbook here and I'm going to give $1,000 to everybody, come and get it. How many of you would be coming up believing you're going to get it? Everybody would, right? Why, Why is it different with Jesus? I, whatever, whatever you want right now, I'll write the check for. What do you want? If you're an addict, do you want to get out of healing? Okay, I'll give you power to get out of healing. You're going to have to do the work, by the way. Don't think this is meals on wheels. This is, you've got to buy into this. If, you, if, if you're feeling really despairing right now, I'll break that despair and give you joy. If you're feeling like you have no direction in your life, I'll give you direction. If you feel like there's no fruit in your life, watch my, let, come to me and watch me tend your, your life and I'll re- release fruit in you. There's a couple of conditions, which is stay within the community, search me out and watch what happens. What do you want? So if you want something from Jesus this morning, if you want something to bubble up inside you because you want to impact the world, you stand up and we're just going to ask him to release it. Because I can't do it. But he can. If you want to be an old cracked pot and miserable, then just stay seated and we'll leave you be. Um, And, you know, uh, by your fruit you will be known and by your attitude you will be known. So 
Everything's in the light. <laughs> just put out your hands. This is not manipulation. It's just getting you to do something and just receive from Jesus. Father, I just declare over this community right now your presence, your life, your love, your passion. If you're standing for healing, I speak healing over you in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're standing because you're in pain, I break that pain in the name of Jesus and I command pain to loosen you. Pain no more. I I curse pain in the name of Jesus. By the stripes of Jesus' cross, you are healed. I speak blessing over your body. Those of you with back aches and pains in your backs, in the name of Jesus, we speak restoration to those backs. Strength to those backs to rise up. Muscles to come into alignment. Vertebrae to come into alignment. The pelvis to come into alignment in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And you don't have to struggle. You don't have to... You know, there was a time where I would never dare do this. I'd be too insecure. I'd be too worried. But God said, John, you just got to bring people to my door. You don't have to do the answering. So that's what I do. I'm just a doorman now. I just bring you to Jesus. I just encourage you to ask from from him whatever you need. I just boast about his goodness and his kindness and he likes you. And he's not going to give you stones if you ask for bread. So Father, I pray that you give people a revelation of the love of Jesus right now. Just fill their hands with bread. Fill them with bread. Fill them with bread. Let them smell the bread of the Father. All that I have is yours, says the Father. All that I have is yours. You're not impoverished. You're not forgotten about. You're not abandoned. You're not left behind. Come, come, come into my heart. Come into my kingdom. Let me remind you again of my love for you. Because I want to use you to impact the world after I've impacted you and your world. I want to fill you with joy and hope and life. I want to fill you with healing and stories of my love that will just spill out of you while you're having a latte at Starbucks. What I'm asking of you is not hard work. This is life. You tell people of how you stood up one day in church and you got healed. And God the Father just says, it's just what I do. I'm alive. And I'm with you right now. So Father, I bless the work of your Spirit that's happening here right now. I bless your love, I bless your power and I call up in people that fountain of living water. I call up in you your spirit to come alive. I call up in you a spirit that will be generous, will see the needs of others, will dance on the treadmill in the name of Jesus. Call call you up to life. Don't let your circumstances rule your heart. Let your heart bring life to your circumstances. And then don't stay isolated. Father, I speak against isolation. I speak against being on one's own. And I just ask that you bring us into community. Bless what you're doing, Jesus. Thank you for your presence and your healing. Receive, receive, receive. Just say thank you to Jesus as I prepare for communion. Just say thank you to him. Thank, you, thank, you, thank him for what he's giving you. Be very specific about what you're receiving from him. Because it says if you receive by faith, and faith is sometimes you don't feel anything, you're trusting in his promises. So maybe you need peace, or maybe you need money, maybe you need all kinds of things. Just thank him that he's heard. Thank him that he loves you, and thank him that he's here. And thank him that he's releasing things into you by his spirit 
before you feel it, some of you will feel it, and that'll be even better. But I don't feel much, so I've got to go by faith most of the time. But I bless you, because I do know the Lord is present here now, and I do know he's releasing stuff, because even I can feel that. And he's giving you much more. You, you might ask for a few things. He's giving you a lot more, by the way. He's very generous. So he's giving you more than you could ask or imagine. So, Father, I just bless your generosity. There's a big fountain in here flowing over. It's spilling over everyone. All the resources of heaven are yours. Healing is on his wings. Bless you, Lord. You are salt and you are light. And you're invited to come and share at this table, which is the banqueting table of Jesus. It's a tangible sign of our unity. It's a tangible sign of our need. It's a tangible sign of our fellowship with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and one another.